0: Warrior Woman, welcome back to the podcast. I have a cracker of an episode for you today. We're going to talk about, or well, when I say we, not just me, my guest that I have on today. She is a dear friend. She's a friggin' queen. And we are going to talk about one of her favorite topics and also one of my favorite topics, boundaries. We love talking about boundaries. And my guest, she makes boundaries sexy, which, you know, we love things that are sexy. So we're going to talk about fearless boundary setting and vital metrics. Also doesn't sound very sexy, but don't worry. She makes it sound pretty sexy. The reason why we're talking about these two things is, you know, if you want to turn pro in your training, If you really want to squeeze like results and progress out of your training this year, you need to understand vital metrics and fearless boundary setting. They're key. Okay, so before I introduce her and the podcast episode, I just want to tell you something, something really cool. I just launched my Women's Bodyweight Strength Workshop. It's a powerful five-day workshop that is going to teach you the basics of bodyweight strength training. So if you want to conquer that elusive chin up, get a full push-up. We like to call them man push-ups, but I just don't believe that they should be called man push-ups because I'm better at push-ups than most males. Uh, So we're going to call them full warrior push-ups. If you want to get a full push-up and you want to squat like a friggin' warrior queen, I've designed this five-day workshop for you. I'm going to teach you the processes and the methods that I have used in my training over the last 10 years and that I use with all my warriors. And I'm going to teach you how to start to progress towards those three really cool skills. You see, I believe that body weight strength training is the foundation uh, from which all of your training should be built on. It really teaches us the basics of flexibility, uh, mobility, stability. Uh, it also is, you know, where we learn uh, these, you know, I talk about characteristics a lot Um you know, heart, respect, uh, quality, effort, humility. And when we have a bodyweight strength practice, uh, we can really develop those characteristics. I really believe that body weight strength helps you build serious strength and confidence. So if you want to start 2022 stronger and more confident than ever, if you want to leave the guesswork and the confusion behind and really master the basics of bodyweight strength training, head to the link in the show notes, or you can click the link in my bio on the gram and click the pink button, which is join now to sign up. We go live on the 7th of Feb. You can find all the details uh, on the website and yeah, click that pink button. I'd love to have you, Warrior. Let's get into my podcast episode today with the lovely Ruby Marsh. Rubes and I have been friends for maybe seven or eight years now. Uh, We first met at lululemon we worked at lululemon together in melbourne and her husband john and her also owned workshop uh, a gym and i also coached their olympic lifting and mobility and so yeah we cl- we connected ages ago uh and she's a dear friend uh, she is also my business coach right now Her and John created the Creator Club, which is for small business owners and creatives. It's a business coaching membership, and they run it together. They live in Newcastle, Australia, with their dog, Luna. Uh, So I wanted Ruby to come on today to talk about two specific things that are really going to help you turn pro in your training and level up in 2022. Rubes and I talk about vital metrics and fearless boundary setting. And these two topics I think are key for us women who want to get the most out of our training. It's a little bit different, this one, because Rubes actually tells a part of her story she doesn't tell very often. She is actually an architect turned business coach, and she works a lot. uh, She's previously worked a lot with women who are creatives and small business owners. And then her and John joined forces last year and created the Creator Club. And that is their uh, their main business now. So Ruby was an architect uh, and actually had a lot of health issues, was suffering from anxiety, a lot of digestion stuff. Uh, Her body was really stressed. And she talks about that piece of her story, uh, which is really cool. And she'll, she'll even say in the episode that she actually doesn't talk about it very often. It's not a side of her story we hear a lot. We hear a lot about... her career and her business side. But along her, you know, her journey over the last nine or 10 years, you know, moving from architect into Lululemon, uh, now into a business coach, she's learned some really cool stuff that really helps us in, well, our life, uh, in our business, in our health. And I really wanted to apply it to our training. So she also talks about her relationship, you know, to her body and to movement and her, her training practice that she has now. So in the episode, we dive into what we call or what Rubes and John call vital metrics. And they teach uh, four vital metrics. And it's these things that, you know, we really need to work on uh, in order to have the energy, the resiliency, the capacity and the tolerance uh to train uh, and to train consistently, to train hard and to get the results that we want in our training. So we dive into these vital metrics and Ruby shares like what they are. And then we shift into talking about fearless boundary setting. And really, if you want to turn pro in your training, you need to understand fearless boundary setting and how you set really powerful boundaries in your life. Okay, well, I'm going to stop talking because this is such a powerful, cool episode uh, and I just want you to listen to it. So I really hope you enjoy it. If you have, you know, some takeaways uh, or some key learnings, share it with me i want to know so tag me in it uh, take a screenshot of the part of the episode that you love maybe with the piece that you love and tag me and ruby in it uh, because we want to hear we want to hear what you've loved uh, okay warrior woman i'm gonna stop talking now and I really want you to enjoy this episode with Ruby Marsh on vital metrics and fearless boundary settings so you can turn pro in your training practice this year. Welcome to the Warrior School podcast, the podcast for women who train. I believe lifting weights, knowing our cycles, and training with them is the future of women's training. I also believe this training, nutrition and health stuff shouldn't feel so goddamn hard and we should all feel strong and confident. So this is your go-to show for practical information to build a stronger and healthier body. You'll find content on training, nutrition, hormones, and tons of experts who want to help you get stronger and healthier. I am your teacher, Amy Bow, coach, dietitian, and the creator of Warrior School. Okay, Warrior Woman, let's do this. All right, there she is, yeah. (laughs)
1: It's the same voice, it's not like Siri, I thought they would maybe, um, you know, have an Aussie voice and uh, accent and then a Canadian accent, it's, yeah.
0: Yeah, I wish we could pick the accents.
1: (laughs) That would be funny. Yeah.
0: Okay, well, that's our cue, that's our cue to start. Yeah, she always tells me, okay, time to start your podcast. (laughs) <laughs> Ruby Marsh, thank you for joining me. Thank you Amy, it's a privilege to be here with you today. Oh, I feel like this one is um a long time in the making.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes, yeah, because we know each other well, but there's probably a lot we don't know each about each other's stories, right?
0: Yeah. Uh totally. Ruby and I have known each other whew. Uh, for quite a long time how many years we're probably thinking since like 2014 or 2015
1: yeah yeah I think 2015 yeah
0: yeah Um, Mm. and so I thought where I would love to start because today we're going to talk about one of Ruby's favorite topics fearless boundary setting Uh, but I thought we could start with a bit of like your story and your deep history because in that has I guess birthed what you do now and also this whole topic that we're going to talk about today (laughs) so Yeah. uh, yeah and you can you can pick a point you know in your history or in your story that you want to start maybe we'll start with like what do you do? And then what led you to what you do today?
1: Yes. So what I do today is business coaching for creatives and coaches. I run a business now as of this year. I've joined forces with my husband, John, and we run something called Creator Club. So this is now my primary offering. It's pretty much the only way that you can work with me And we help these small businesses to develop the key skills. So our approach has always been a little bit unique because we have a tendency with anything in our life to view it from a more holistic approach. And so we see business as something that is about accumulating skills. It's about sustainable growth and It's also about things like your energy and leadership and all of these things that tend to get missed out from a lot of business coaching because people just want to make money quick. And (laughs) (laughs) whilst that's part of our goal, we want to help you make money, we also know that there's a lot of foundational work that goes into that is, as you would know, Amy, from building your business over the years, And being able to make those leaps that you need to make, they can happen in a short time, but you need to build the capacity in order to be able to do that well, execute it well and continue to perform at the level that you need to perform at. So that's what we do. And I guess I was thinking about this question of my story and I want to come at this from a lens of health. And I think that I don't often tell my story from this perspective because a lot of the time when I'm speaking to people, it's around business and it's around mindset and particularly related to coaching because that's what I do. But there's a big part of the story that relates to health that got me to where I am today. And so I guess if we rewind... I was born and raised in New Zealand to give people some context for my interesting accent that is now blended with a little bit of Australian. And, and I live here in Australia now, and I've actually lived here half my life now as of this year. So I'm, I don't really know. I know we are home where I was born and all of that, but I feel very much part of our life and the culture here. And so... When I was a teenager, I was a very active teenager and I played lots of sport and I'm really thankful for that because I think that that keeps you grounded and the types of sports that I played were teamwork-based and so I think all of those sorts of skills as you're growing up really help you in the later years so I was very similar to you actually Amy I I was loved dancing growing up and got into competitive aerobics and I was always running and playing netball and I was there's always something I was doing and and quite academic too but with the sport I was I was I would say average like I could get to regional events and things like that but I wasn't really going for First place, it was more, I really want to try hard. And I guess I had that kind of narrative from my parents is that you just go out and you have fun and you work hard and you play hard. And growing up, I had parents that worked really hard, we had small businesses. And it's kind of interesting because when you start to look back on your childhood, you often try to delete a large portion of your childhood sometimes in your, you know, in your teens and your twenties. And then you get to your late 30s and you actually start looking back and realize that a lot of what I experienced growing up has been really foundational and for me to make some really key decisions about my life and to value certain things. So my parents own businesses and they never went to university till quite later in their life, in their 40s. And, and so I grew up around small business. I grew up around parents that were active and very physical in the type of small businesses that we had. And my dad was... Uh, child of immigrants uh, they came out after World War II with a suitcase that kind of story so very much I came from a generation of hardworking middle-class parents who wanted to give their kids everything that they could and and it meant working hard for it so I always knew that that was how you made money you worked you had to work really hard for it and there was no such thing as a nine to five job with them they worked a lot and it was fun I would say that it was fun and we were very much involved in the businesses growing up which was great and so in my late teens I decided that I'd come to Australia to study architecture because I guess off that experience that I'd had growing up I wouldn't say I felt a duty to go to university and have a professional career but I definitely saw that my parents worked really hard to get us to be able to do that and to be financially able to do that without too much of a burden and so it was like well you've got to use this opportunity and I looked at, I was very much interested in design and architecture. So I went and studied architecture in Australia. And that was that was full on. And it was me being thrown into being on my own here in Australia, not knowing a single person when I arrived here. And, you know, my my parents gave me a lot of great skills growing up. So I was, I was able to survive. I wasn't totally. Um, eating ramen noodles and and things like that, I, I could I could fend for myself um, and and you know look after myself pretty well. But the architecture studies are incredibly demanding, and it is a demanding career. It's, it's pretty full on, and so over the years, I um, I probably didn't treat my body really well, but it was only because. I thought that staying up till 3am, whether it be out partying or whether it be making models for an architecture project, that's just what you did. That's just what everybody did and everybody around you was doing it. And so, of course, when I graduated, that didn't leave me with a great immune system. And I went into full time work in Sydney and I was commuting long hours and it was it was pretty Pretty hectic existence, but I was riding those waves of I'm young, I'm professional, I'm working in the city, I'm earning money now, everything's great. I've ticked all the boxes up to this point, and everyone's happy for me, and it looks great on the outside. But uh, a few years later, uh, the health thing really started to have me think seriously about how I wanted to live my life and I'd seen my parents growing up having businesses and they at one point we went traveling and so we were homeschooled for some part of of my teenage years and were able to do things like that so it was very interesting that that I very much took this professional path and I took it upon me to tick all these boxes and yet I got to a point where I was really unhappy and I was uh, constantly sick I had a lot of immune issues and that was up and down and it was going to specialists and different doctors and like what's going on we don't we couldn't put a finger on exactly what was causing these issues and so I was trying all of the things and obviously that's stressful in itself to try and work out actually what's going on with you <laughs> let alone try and keep up with a demanding job and all the commuting and things like that and what that caused also with the stress of the job is that I had what I later realized was high functioning anxiety. So I don't talk a lot about this but for a lot of years in my career I really didn't feel like I was up to the grade. Uh, It's a very competitive industry but competitive only because it can be fueled by a lot of ego. So the expectations on you are, are high and the the Projects are high stakes as well. We had very significant clients and we had significant budgets always in the millions. And so there was a lot of pressure. And whilst I kind of had it together on the outside, I was really not very well on the inside. And the thing with high functioning anxiety is that you, you can appear as if everything's together and on the outside. And then on the inside, you're dreaming about work, you're waking up, you don't want to go to work, you feel sick, all of those things. And it just got to a point where I was like, I can't keep living my life like this. I'm not happy. I don't know if this is the career for me. I felt like at the time I'd given it a good go. I had worked in a, in a lot of different firms. I, I, felt, I felt though a huge burden on me that if I left this career and I did something different, that I'd be letting a whole lot of people down around me. And so it actually took quite a while to make the decision to transition out of architecture. And it actually took a few years. But in those years, I really doubled down on my health and really reevaluated my priorities. And fortunately, I was able to land a role working in Lululemon and that's how we met Amy and I met there and that gave me much more of a sense of of balance what balance looks like for me it brought me back in touch with my values and it really allowed me to explore some parts of myself that I'd always probably been a bit of a coach archetype my life and being a typical Sag Sagittarius, I also love to tell people what to do. So I very much got that teacher element, that coach element. And so I was always always doing it, but never really in tune with it. And it wasn't until the probably the last 10 10 or 15 years was it really seen as as a career opportunity. So I never never left architecture knowing what my end point was going to be. And I think that that's the most exciting thing is that you can look at life through through that lens and every new turning point becomes a new adventure. And so uh, I absolutely love my work now. But uh, and it hasn't mean that my health is a hundred percent perfect all of the time. But I've definitely gotten to a sweet spot where the awareness is strong enough that I can, I can uh, create a business that serves my life, what I want to do. It supports my relationships and it supports my health and that was what I certainly wasn't getting when I was in architecture and so although it took a bit of time I feel like I'm in a pretty good spot now
0: yeah okay I have two there's two pieces out of that uh I think the first one is do you think What you know like now around uh, like we're going to get into like metrics and, you know, looking after your health and balance, do you think that you could thrive as an architect with what you know now?
1: Oh, yes. I I think that would be a definite possibility. Yeah. Um, But I think that my values have also shifted But yes, I think that any any of these things that we're about to talk about can be and need to be overlaid in all areas of your life. And I think that that I see a lot of people that thrive really well in corporate careers, but it's got to be the right environment for you as well. That's the other thing. It was that I think that there was just a bit of a rub in terms of, I don't think this is the environment where I thrive as well. And that might sound a little idealistic and a little bit of a millennial mindset, but we also have the opportunities today and we can, we can find something that feels like a fit. We can, we, can, we can do that, but I think we need to go at it like you just asked through that lens because otherwise we'll just keep repeating the same old habits and we'll keep going into every decision with the same narrative of what if and uh, sometimes we do repeat patterns don't we before we actually learn the lesson and for sure I've had those experiences
0: yeah yeah I just I thought it would be I was just super curious a lot of women that I work with are you know, they have big jobs uh, and, you know, and it's often not talked about. Like we can, it's I think even when you're in university and you're going into like a a really big job or big career, that what we're going to talk about, like these metrics and how to, you know, take responsibility and ownership for your health and look after your energy are really important pieces to thriving in like, in these jobs in the corporate space and it's just yeah i was just super interested and i know it's totally like you know your values and what you want to like do for a career changes all of the time but just for the women listening that when we talk about these metrics to have like invite you to have that perspective, you know, if you are like struggling in that career um, or in that environment, like this is a really cool piece to start with. And this is the, I love that you and John do this as part of your work in Creator Club. This is one of the most powerful things, I think, uh, this whole piece around like energy and taking responsibility for like yourself and your health. Uh, and you guys talk about it as like metrics mm. and, or like energy. And so I'd love for you to talk to that. Yeah, the the, the
1: metrics thing allows you to set benchmarks for yourself and then and then check in regularly on a regular basis because humans like to self-adjust and see where they're at and they like to know their performance and I think if this gets too far into the energy and tapping into your intuition and awareness sometimes we don't we aren't quite there yet but if we have something like a benchmark or something like a metric that we can use as a starting point and to create a baseline like a lot of coaches now are talking about baseline health and and baseline in terms of performance or in terms of training but I think what what you were just talking about before, in terms of if someone's listening in there in a corporate environment and it's full on and it's demanding. And I hope that if you're listening, you, you actually really love your job, but it's it just comes with a lot, a lot of things, a lot to deal with. And in life, we're always we're always moving and changing, and the circumstances are always changing. And, and sure we have you know, we have free will and we can control a lot of things. But if you're in a job, sometimes you don't have the perfect circumstances. So what this vital metrics work does is allows you to have the awareness and to come into these circumstances because ultimately it's about building we use this term capacity, it's about building capacity. So it doesn't matter whether you're running a business, which in my experience can be equally as demanding and equally as stressful as a job. It doesn't suddenly mean that you're working less hours on day one. Yeah, I think I just did 12 hours yesterday. Yeah, yeah. And and I I guess the great thing is you have flexibility and you can work around cycles, especially for the women listening, definitely lucky in that perspective. But I think either way, we, if we have something like these metrics, we can approach it in a way that we are coming from an energetic perspective. And we're also with a view to build our capacity so that we can be exposed to more and not collapse every time something great happens too because the inflow the, the things that come at you in your job can be really exciting things they can be really amazing opportunities and without this capacity you're you're probably going to want to turn down it an opportunity because you're like I just don't have the the ability to handle all of that but well what if you could and what if you had something that you consistently work with so do you want me to share what the vital metrics are that we look at with that
0: yeah I do and I just want to say there's such a beautiful parallel between like Ruby's talking about business mm. and we'll probably talk about business I want to talk about like business and work in this podcast just because a lot of women they work <laughs> or they have a business uh And, but it's also, it's for your training as well. You know, we can look at it through that lens of like, you know, if you want to have the capacity to show up and move your body, uh, you know, consistently and get out of it, what you want to get out of it, like you need, you need to look at these, these metrics. Um, And so I'd love you to share, yeah, what do you mean by metrics? What are they? uh, And what do you look at? Mm.
1: So, you could you could use anything you want, but these are the ones that we find most helpful. And absolutely, all of these could actually feed into your training. You're 100% right. And it's really about building your awareness. And I think that's something that we both share, Amy, is that your training becomes a really powerful tool to... To allow you to listen to what's going on in your body to understand the environment and the conditions in which you're training and and the effect that those have on you the season that you're in the season of life that you're in all of those things and. These metrics don't mean that we're just trying to fine-tune things on a daily basis, but we've got a much more long-term view of health as well and a long-term view of training. And it allows you to find your sweet spot with your training too, which is that has been a really exciting thing for me personally because, you know, for many years, I was doing all sorts of different things. I've done a run half marathon endurance running for a lot of years and then uh, weight training for a lot of years. And so you get to a point where you're like, what's going to work for me right now? And And so the metrics that we use are mental clarity, passion and relationships, physical strength and output productivity. Even creativity, if you will, uh, requires uh, requires capacity and it requires actually some of these other things to feed in, into it in order for you to have, have strong output. So um, the great thing is, is that you can also see how when you dial in some of the others that they actually support, they all support each other and they all work together. So... Mental clarity is how do you feel today? Do you feel foggy or do you feel clear? Do you feel like you've got a lot on your plate? Do you feel a lot of tension in your head or do you feel light? you know, I think mental clarity doesn't necessarily have to be mental health, although that could be for some people that we do think about that. But mental clarity is, is really your capacity to make good decisions and to feel like you can go to work and you know what you have to do and it's not overwhelming. <laughs> so that's like the uh, the optimum state of mental clarity. And then the next one on the list is passion and relationships. And I think if anything, over the last couple of years, it, it's really honed in it's really become apparent rather for a lot of us that the last couple of years can be make or break in this area of our life because whether we are <laughs> whether we're living and working with a spouse or with a partner or with family members, uh, just that intensity has meant that for some of us we need to go hang on a second like how do we, Under these external conditions that we can't necessarily control, how can we still maintain great relationships, have passion? And passion doesn't necessarily mean in an intimate sense, although it could be. And I think that that's really important as well, uh, because that obviously feeds into things like clarity and it feeds into creativity, but it can just be reigniting and fostering those relationships that support your training whether it be having training buddies whether it be having a training community like you've created Amy or whether it be having variety in your training such that one time a week you get to walk with a beautiful friend and that's an experience that you can have and and you can bring together training as well Um, but I think that this is an area that we need to continue to really work on. There's a real need for this because uh, the powers that be, if you will, they they're, they don't want the, this area of our life to be strong. They want us to be plugged in and they don't want us to be independent and free and loving. And, yeah. <laughs> and I know that's where I'll leave it with that one, but um, just something <laughs> for, you, for you to think about. And then physical strength. And this, this is one that interestingly, I so I have a practice of yoga that's, that's a very, very big part of my life. And it's, it's, I feel like I'll be doing this practice till I'm on my deathbed, you know, into my 90s. It's how, how powerful and life-changing it's been for me. But she Despite the fact that there's a lot of mantra, there's a lot of meditation and breath work in this practice. She, my teacher always had an emphasis on physical strength. You need to be strong. And strength uh, in, in a basic sense allows us to stand strong, allows us to stand proud, heart open, strong spine, and we walk out the door for the day or we encounter someone in our lives and we can face those experiences. So physical strength not only is important for our health and all of those other functions, which Amy is far more versed and She's got some amazing guests that would speak on that stuff. But I think just from our ability to withstand the pressure of what's going on, We need to have that strong body and especially in corporate environments and small business environments for my women, women that are listening that that's you, that physical strength goes a long way to helping your confidence. And it does not mean that you have to be lifting heavy, but having a sense of strength that means that you you feel proud, you stand tall, you feel strong. And then finally, output and creativity, productivity. Oh, That's probably the first thing that most people go to, that, to today. And I've intentionally put that last because I think there's, there's, there's so much information out there around habits and an, a very big emphasis on how much we're putting out. But I think we actually need all of those first three things in place before we can have a consistent output. Um, and consistency will look different for everyone and I certainly you know my business partner is male and he's my husband so that's awesome but it also means that we have totally different levels of productivity at different times of the day and different times of the month so I think for me and this will go for you for your training as well is you can also marry that with things like a cycle with with hormones and things like that and really actually maximize that so that productivity doesn't mean that i do a solid 8 hours every day but at the end of the month or the end of the week i can look back and i've done things i've put things out into the world And I feel really great about them. I'm proud of them. And I think that that's more of a measure of productivity for me than it is just grinding every single day.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love them. I can see you smiling a lot Yeah. No, I I just, they're they're so important. They're important for like our life, (laughs) you know, all areas of our life. And then when it comes to our training, I think it's kind of really cool to follow that flow, the order that you put it in as well, because often we want to go straight to the last one, which is like the productive output. Like how much can I do? You know, how much can I get done? Can I train harder, push harder, do more? Uh, and often what we find is that we need to look at the, the other metrics and, you uh, one might uh, pop up more than others for you, but yeah, I, I often talk about uh these not in the way that you just described them, but around that, you know, energy and like the food piece and Uh, like joy and passion and uh, actually I was having a call the other day with one of my warriors and she was really struggling to like get started and I asked her like what what do you think is like the hard part of the challenge and she said, Amy, my house is a mess. My bedroom is a mess. My kitchen is a mess and so I walk home, uh, I get home, walk inside every evening and it's just a mess so I feel like in chaos all of the time. And so that's actually what we focused on. You know, we've said, okay, you know, you need to eat breakfast. Let's start your day with some food. So you're not starting your day with a messy kitchen and not eating. So you're in complete chaos. And then pick a couple of nights during the week, pop on like your favorite show, and then just start to tidy, tidy your bedroom. And she's been doing that now for like three weeks and she feels so much better, Uh, and we often don't think about stuff like that, uh, around like, if my environment is a little chaotic, well, that's going to leak a lot of energy out of me and create stress. And then that's going to be harder for me to actually do the thing that I want to do, um, create the thing, do the training. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I love that one actually because I get that. And when you live and work or you train and live in the same environment, it becomes very apparent. <laughs> and and she probably got a little movement from cleaning and being vigorous. And and rather than you know it's easy for us to just eat and then come and home and dump ourselves on the on the sofa at night. Instead, she she got a little sweat on. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And look, that's not fun, you know, and that's not a fun thing to do and, but we can make it fun. And if we have the perspective of like, actually, if we're in this journey for like the long way, well, we need to do these things. You know, the environment that we live in really matters. Yeah, if it's a mess and it's chaotic, well, the nervous system's going to be in chaos all the time. And if you've got a chaotic nervous system, it's going to be really hard for you to show up all the time and get the most out of your training. Uh, And so we started there. And and she got off the call, like the end of the call, and she's like, that's not where I thought this was going to (laughs) go. (laughs) <laughs> and I was like yeah most of the time it's not where you think that it's gonna go because we focus so heavily on this like physical practice on the training and yes it's important but to get there like you said Ruby is that often we need to look at some of these other metrics first um, to get to this place to have the capacity or the energy to show up you know those few times a week and move our bodies yeah yeah
1: One thing I, analogy I always come back to is that typically with goals, we have two plates, right? So we have one plate that's everything that we've already got in our life. And then we've got these goals over here and they may be able to be incorporated into, they may be part of what you're already doing in your life. But I imagine that a lot of the women come to you wanting to, I mean, you know, they may have a training practice, but they're probably adding it into their life. They're probably reinvigorating and they're probably adding more complexity and more challenge to it. And so it's not just going out for a walk three times a week. Suddenly it's adding in these other things. And so if you think about it, if you've got these two plates, you can't just add more onto your plate and expect that you can handle all of that you've got to go okay what's already on my plate and reassess it and think what what can i add in whether it be little bit by little bit or what could i actually take out like you said with this with the cleanliness that's actually causing this plate to feel really full when it's actually not as well so Sometimes this stuff can be other habits and other areas of our life that, that start to impact. But you've just got to weigh it up from the beginning. What am I willing to add in? Can Do I have the capacity to add in that or do I need to take some things out? Do I need to rejig my, my life so that, that that doesn't just become an extra, but it actually becomes integrated and it's part of your life and a habit? Yeah
0: yeah uh, and I like that you know they're both add in and take away. you know for a lot of women that I work with, we need to be adding in more food or more consistency or frequency with our food. So we're adding some food to the plate and then we're looking at okay, maybe what could we like you know work on taking away a little bit so we can make room for for the practice. So it's not all about like, just chucking the stuff you've got piled on your plate off and like being like, here, I have a clean plate, but it's slow. And this is this slowness that a lot of women find really hard. Like they're not okay with it, you know, taking years (laughs) Mm. Um, because already they've been on this journey for years or decades. And by the time you know, we start working together, they're tired because of all of these metrics, you know, they they need a lot of work. Uh, and so they get there, get to he- like our work and then they're like, okay, like, can we just get there? Like, I, I'm tired and I get it. I get why, you know, they're tired because for years, you know, their plate's just been really full or the balance on their plate hasn't been quite right. Um, yeah, okay. so-
1: I was going to just tell you something on that, a little personal thing that I shared with the creators this week was that it's taken me probably since leaving my architecture career, so that's been eight or nine years, it's taken me that amount of time to really reevaluate my relationship to rest. And so don't expect that that you can necessarily and I'm only just just shifting that because my obviously as I was telling you earlier my natural tendency through having parents that work really hard is just to work hard because that's the only way that I thought you could earn money and that it always has to be uh, you know sweat in your brow or <laughs> you haven't done enough so Even the opposite, which is the capacity to rest and that, I guess, a taking away of some things potentially, that can take time. It's not something uh, for me personally, and I'm not sure about your warriors, some of them may be great resters. And I think that that's amazing and I love you for it. But for those of us that are not great resters, even something like that in order to maximize our training to get the results, that's that's a slow shift. And I think this uh, idea that we can, you know, automatically shift a habit in in X amount of days or X amount of weeks is, I don't know, I, I grapple with that concept a little bit, to be honest, because I think that all of these things that we just spoke about, these metrics are at play. And I'm sure we'll talk about boundaries in a second. But I think you just need to ignore that and you need to stick to, to your journey on this. Because like I said, for me, rest was one of those things that I could not do very well.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that one. I yeah. yeah, I've worked on it hard over the years, but I could just go. I could just work and work and work. But then there comes to a point that, then you just reach like burnout. And I, you know, I've been there and I think we can view it as, and I I think I remember John talking about this, which is Ruby's husband about sprints and then like recovery. And so if we think about, you know, we can go on little sprints uh, in our business or in our training. A lot of women that I work with are scared to train hard, but I train hard. Like I train like really hard, like probably onto the the point of like not sustainable hard, you know, and I think that's okay because then we rest. You know, we we come back, we recover. Uh, while I'm training hard, or we're on that sprint with our business or our work, we're looking at our metrics. You know, we can call them metabolic markers. In my world, what Ruby just spoke about, like those those vital metrics, like we're checking in with them along the way, which allows us to do the sprint. But then mm-hmm. we have to get better at being like, okay, I've been on a sprint. You know, that's cool, but now I need to come back and I need to like, you know, in training they call it like, you know, we could go progressive overload and then we have a deload. And it's kind of similar to life and our business. You know, we can go hard, but then we need a deload (laughs) and we need to get better at understanding where our body's at while we're in that sprint. So maybe we do need to rest to finish the sprint. Uh, Yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm. Yeah, and I think when you are sprinting, put some constraints in place in the beginning because otherwise a sprint can turn into a sprinting marathon, (laughs) (laughs) which is probably what I do too often is that I just keep the sprint going or um, I know, you know, my husband's a prolific writer as well and yeah, you get onto a good thing and all of a sudden you go from uh you're having enough fuel to then only being fueled on on the wrong things cortisol or you know and not being fueled enough and that's when you kind of get into that scary red zone
0: yeah and this is the next bit that i i want to talk about is this idea of like constraints or this fearless boundary setting that you talk about mm. a lot uh because if we look at like our training practice or uh, our business or our all of those metrics, like we need to put some kind of constraints or put some boundaries around that. And a lot of us have a, a lot of trouble with that. Uh, and so, yeah, let's talk about that.
1: Yeah, it, this is something I was thinking about before we got on here that 50 years ago, 100 years ago, this conversation probably wouldn't have even been had. And certainly boundaries, if you are an avid reader of someone like Renee Brown's work, we can also extend boundaries to what what you do and what you don't do and what's acceptable behaviour and what's not acceptable behaviour. When I'm or when Amy and I are talking about boundaries that is part of it but it's more in relationship to your ability to get results and to train and to fit that that into your life or to fit your business or your career and and even some of these vital metrics so yes i accept that that part of it has probably always been there but i think the conversation has become more important in the last 10 years and there's more conversation around it it's become very popular because we are realizing that our attention is going in 50 million directions now and I think about this sometimes when I'm driving the car and I've got a podcast or I'm in a conversation with someone or, you know, we're not just concentrated on one thing anymore for a period of time. We're trying to multitask or trying to take in more information whilst we're listening to a podcast while we're training and then you've got something on the the stove or whatever it is. You know, we're trying to do all of these things and life didn't used to be like that. And, And... um, I only say this because that, that is me that is <laughs> how I i tend to operate I'm, I'm quite okay with adding lots of things in at once so boundaries really I think is an important conversation because it allows us to focus on the thing that we've got right in front of us in that at that one time so whether it be the relationship and being present in the relationship because you've created the space for that and you want to make sure that you uh, value that space but then also things like your training being present in your training or being present for your clients or your co-workers in in your work environment so really boundaries are those things that I think allow us now in this time haven't actually talked about it in this way before but allow us to really be present for what we're doing in that moment because if we don't have boundaries we're allowing ourselves to be distracted and and trying to do all of these things at once so we use this term fearless boundary setting because I think someone that really chooses boundaries powerfully and then is able to execute them, stick to them, enroll other people in their lives and what their boundaries are, is a fearless person because (laughs) we've got so many inputs coming at us that if you're someone that can be clear-headed and that can say, this is my mission in my life, this is my goal, and this is what I need in order to to do that, uh, people that do stuff these days, it's hard to come by. (laughs) Yeah, you know, a lot of us are wandering around, and I'm not. I'm not saying this to be um, mean, but there's a lot of uh, negative self talk. There's a lot of misery. There's a lot of unhappiness. There's a lot of lethargy and apathy, especially in the last couple of years, feeling like someone else is in control of our destiny. Whereas we're we're humans, we're born with this free will. So on the other side, you actually have a lot of a lot of choice, and so boundaries becomes a really pivotal pivotal practice. And to be fearless in that practice is is the next thing.
0: Yeah, are there different uh, like types of boundaries we could set? Uh, absolutely,
1: yeah, absolutely. And I think before you think about setting the boundaries, really, you've got to do a check in with yourself. So what is this goal that I want to achieve? Number one, you've got to have clarity on around that, you've got to have clarity around uh, how you want to live your life. And it's not necessarily saying everyone has to have a purpose, but just how you want to feel when you wake up every day. And I would say the other thing is understanding your values. So Knowing all of those things, you're going to know what type of boundary you need in place in order to achieve that goal. The goal kind of comes second to those first two things, understanding your values and your priorities and what you're here for. And so then we can say, okay, what's my goal? Well, my goal might be a training goal and Uh, like you gave that example of that woman with the clean house so for her the priority is creating uh, the space and so she may have to set a boundary with herself that she doesn't allow her training space to become cluttered or to become uh, crazy or whatever or also she might have to set boundaries with other people in her life and say hey you know this this is a dedicated space that I've created, and I'd really appreciate it if we look after that space because when I value that space, I want to train and I, I get my stuff done and it happens. So sometimes it's it's just something you need to decide for yourself, and then sometimes there'll be other people involved in those boundaries. So there might be things like time, there might be related to distractions, there might be uh, I'm trying to think. There's so many different things. Like we talk about your clients, what the things that you say yes to and the things that you say no to. Um, you know, I definitely think, in my experience, in order for me to make the change that I've made, even though it's taken a little longer than I thought it would, boundaries has been so key because. This whole journey started with a blog and a website. And what it meant was that you could call this sacrifice. And now looking back, probably was a bit of a sacrifice. to Certain things that I've prioritized over the others in the last few years probably haven't prioritized wider relationships as much as I have, you know, my close ones and then my business relationships. But certainly I had to put some boundaries in place because I couldn't just spend all my weekends partying and feeling like crap and then not having the ability to create and put time into my business. Because for a lot of years, I was still working full time or part time. And so from the get go, I went, you know. I'm going to have to draw a line here and I can't say yes to everything. And unfortunately I can't say yes to all of my friends or I have to make sure that that work goes first and then, um, or the business goes first. And then I allow some space for those other things that I love. So yeah, that's some different types of boundaries that you can think about and how they might relate to things like training or to your work or really just getting what you want out of your life. <laughs>
0: Yeah. I, I love the way that you approach it. So looking at like, what is my mission? You know, if we think about training, uh, you know, why do, you know, why do I want to train? How do I want to feel? What, what, why am I going on the journey? What does that look like and feel like? What's my mission? What do I value? Uh, and then coming into your, like a goal around that and then looking at setting a boundary? Or maybe you have to spend, okay, this is some time like my goal. And then do you have to spend time looking at, you know, why, what's the hard part or the challenge? Or maybe look at, this is where we look at some of the metrics, because then that can give us a little bit of a clearer picture as to where we start, like what boundary we could start with.
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. And I think you can also look to others as well. Like I wouldn't say that this is something you want to do all of the time, but a lot of times when I'm looking to shift a habit, I look for someone else out there that that's proving to me that they can get what they want, whether that be a financial goal or whether that be a business related goal, training goal, health goal. And I go, yeah, that person seems like they've they got it together in that particular area in their life and so I'll often look at that person and think what are they doing in order to get to that because surely they can't be saying yes to everything they probably aren't putting crappy food in their mouth they're probably getting some sleep and so sometimes you can actually look to other people because we often don't know straight away what specific boundary needs to be in place so I would say that if you're like well it could be this or it could be this look at look at other people and look at perhaps how they've got to where they've gotten and you can model that you don't have to be as extreme but certainly there's, there's a lot of great proof out there that what we want to do is possible and I think what you actually said earlier was really key is that sometimes we have to start with what's the one thing that I know has either stopped me in the past or has led me to connecting with Amy and saying, okay, I really want to do this. But there might be a little bit of doubt in your mind. Where is that doubt coming from? And is that just because you don't have a boundary in place around that thing? And that way you can really set yourself up really powerfully. But I think the other thing, and especially for a lot of the women with training and things, we we also need to take it that next step further and enroll those people in our life. And when I say enroll, that just simply means let them know that this is what you're doing. Get them excited about your goal as well and say that this is the time or the space or whatever it is that you need to protect and how can we work together to make sure that that happens and sometimes those conversations can be awkward and they can be scary because we're coming at the conversation with our values and we also know that sometimes other people don't value the same things as us so we need to respect that and we also need to respect that this boundary setting just like playing the long game with our training isn't something that you're going to get perfect the first time around and you might mess up, that's completely okay. But just keep keep practicing really is, is the big thing.
0: Yeah. Do you think like then we're clear on the boundary and yes, it is a practice thing, but do you also think it's a choice that we have to make every day and then be very disciplined to like, I guess I would love to hear your thoughts on like, okay, we have a boundary, is boundaries the same as discipline or like where where does, is it being disciplined to like, or are we being fearless? Is that what fearless means to you when you talk about boundaries? I think the
1: discipline comes as a result of having the boundary in place. I don't think we are born with discipline. (laughs) Um, We certainly might have the nurturing of discipline around us and we can be in environments that encourage discipline. But I think at the end of the day, and especially in this modern context, we don't really have those types of containers that often, maybe in like a martial arts environment or maybe in certain careers, there's that, that discipline Um, but you've got to also decide what disciplined looks like for you too because what it looks like for Amy versus what it (laughs) might look like for me is I actually have to be more disciplined with the rest than I have to be disciplined with the work so it could be completely different but the boundary is going to actually allow you to build that uh, quality of being disciplined and I do very much agree that I think discipline is sometimes lacking a bit in in our culture now in our Western culture I think there's other cultures that that's always been there and sometimes it can be extreme but I think that um, yeah we uh, I say that, I guess, you know, as someone that probably really works on discipline, that we can go take that to the extreme. But I also think that having that as a quality doesn't make you um, a, a person that is really extreme or really uh, don't go near that person because they're so disciplined they'll never talk to you or they'll never... <laughs> But actually, you know, because sometimes we can think that about people that are like that, but actually it just allows you to meet your goals. And I think the other thing with boundaries is that it doesn't mean that you have to stick to that boundary all the time. So this comes back to planning your week as well. You might just have a boundary around a certain, your training in your week, and then you can do whatever you like around the rest of the time you can have fun you can be a little more spontaneous you can be social and there might be some other relaxing of things that you do doesn't mean that your whole life just becomes about putting boundaries in place and sometimes we need to relax them or we at least just need to create a boundary for a period of time
0: especially as we're
1: building those habits (laughs)
0: I'm just laughing because my work's been in relaxing boundaries uh, <laughs> because I yeah I had so many boundaries and like so disciplined that it was um yeah it, affecting a lot of my like relationships like that metric like passion and relationships uh and that's also really important great point Ruby that sometimes we can have too many boundaries or we can be like too disciplined and and, you know if you come from like diet culture as well that's you know discipline can be a scary word because it's been like discipline from a place of like restriction and Mm -hmm. rules and bad but we're talking about discipline that's in, in line and is going to support you on your mission, you know, to feel well and healthy and happy and do the work that you want to do and be able to train like those. Yeah. So very different, very different. Okay. I think, I think we covered a lot. What do you reckon?
1: Yeah, I yeah. think we did.
0: I yeah. think I can talk. <laughs> okay. Well, I'd loved you just to finish, uh, because you have a podcast and then just tell everyone a little bit about, um, yeah, like your podcast and a little bit about Creator Club.
1: Sure. So I do have a podcast. I have my own podcast that I've been running for a few years now and it's called True To You. And there is a focus on creative women, but it's also and creative women in business but it's also with the view of sharing these women's stories and supporting you through that process of particularly if you're building a creative a creative business making sure that you have those skills that are going to support you so i like to bring on really interesting women and people from different like that come at different angles at times but it's always with the view of helping the creative woman to really uh, really indulge that part of herself and, and build a life and a business around that and we also currently have a podcast for Creator Club too so we feature some of our amazing creators on that and then we have some experts that come in so you you can listen to that too um and then create a club yes so create a club is a membership so you can join any month which is amazing you can you can certainly uh fit that into where that feels good in your timeline we work with early stage business owners so people that that usually have a proven concept and they don't have to be established but you've worked with a few clients you have an idea of who you'd really love to work with you know what's possible revenue wise but you know that as a business owner you're wearing all of the hats and you need someone to help you manage sometimes those different roles that in the certainly in the first couple of years you will be doing a lot of those things like the marketing and the delivery and the sales. And so we really help you to be able to hone those skills so you feel super confident. And then we do have some more established build businesses that are building teams and things like that. But all in all, it's a very, very cool group of people. If you want to hang out with a group of business owners that are really on the same path, value, creativity, value impacting people's lives and that's that's really like that's really the people that you're going to be hanging out with. So that's Creator Club and I'm sure Amy will link all of that up in the show notes.
0: I will you. yes I will. Um, I'm in Creator Club. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Yes,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. And I love it. Uh Ruby and John have changed my life. They're amazing. They're, I just, they are amazing humans and amazing coaches and teachers. And I'll keep you forever if I can. <laughs> well, I mean, that's uh
1: our, our view is that we want, yeah, we 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 know where your business could go. And so we want to help you get there. Um and we do it in a way as well that it's you get some one-on-one support, but then you get also the skills and we have a weekly planning call and things like that. So you're very supported, but um, it's also a thing kind of like the way Warrior School is set up that this, this like you said, it can be part of your journey for a very substantial period of time so that you can at least See some significant changes in your business over a year to two years. And um, definitely the people that we've worked with, like yourself, Amy, that have been with us for a while, they, with that consistent support, they're really up to big things. So it's very exciting.
0: Yeah. I'm just, I'm such a believer in having coaches and teachers. Uh, I think they, they're so important. And I've had them for yeah, my training and then for my business now for like five years. So mm-hmm. so powerful. Ruby Marsh, I am so grateful for your time, for your energy, uh, for your knowledge, for the work that you do. You're so kind, Amy. Thank you so
1: much. It's been really fun. I'm glad to. Have this opportunity to jam on some of my favorite topics.
0: Yeah, this is going to be a good one. I'm so excited. I can't wait to release it to the world. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Okay, thank thank you, you, Ruby. Warrior Woman, you can listen to these episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts. Please give it love by subscribing now. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate it and share it with another warrior woman. Also tag me in it on Instagram with your biggest takeaway.